0: Bert lost his mom after a 23-month battle with stage 4 lung cancer. They traveled as much as possible, enjoyed picnics in the park, and maintained healthy eating and exercise habits to keep her as strong as possible. Even though the name of the podcast is Daughters Without Moms, anyone is welcome to share their story. Sons without moms, daughters without dads, brothers without sisters, whatever loss you've experienced... You are welcome to share on the podcast and now Bert's story. Hi, this is Beth and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Although today I have a son without a mom with me and I love this. I'm so appreciative that Bert is here and is willing to share his story. I started to tell him I've almost changed the name of the podcast a couple of times because my website is Your Grief Journey, and I thought about changing it to that because um, I really want people to know that any story is welcome here. I mean, I'm a, I'm also a daughter without a dad. I'm a sister without a sister. So I have had men on the podcast before, but it doesn't happen as much. Um, and Bert assured me that the name of the, the social media account didn't totally push him away. So <laughs> thank you for that grace, um, Bert, and that you have uh, graciously agreed to share your story on the podcast today. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you and let you share your story. And then as usual, I'll come back with a couple of questions at the end. So thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Beth. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And on the contrary, your the title of your uh, of Daughters um, Without Moms, uh, it really resonated with me. So even as a son, it it, it hit right, right to the heart. So again, thank you for having me. Um uh um, I lost my mom uh, 7 years ago uh this past February to stage 4 lung um lymphatic lung cancer. Um she fought 23 hard months um of the disease and it can't, unfortunately it came as a surprise um back in January of 2014 uh with just many symptoms of fatigue and um and uh, pain in her back chest Um, she went for an x-ray to look at um, uh, a long-standing issue with her pancreas and they saw shadows on her lungs Um, she went for um, another highlighted um, x-ray and they suspected um, something else other than on her pancreas and in March 2014 I won't forget it um, on uh, St. Patrick's Day we went to the hospital for bronchioscope um uh as ordered from her um our respirologist and a specialist and um they took the scope and unfortunately uh before they could even take the sample to pathology um the doctor had suspected that it was uh, late stage um, terminal lung cancer um the doctor i just remember that moment the my mom was in post-recovery um and I went to go see the doctor called me over and asked me to look at the um at the chart at the images and she I remember her I can hear it so clearly and she said um we suspect it's um, a late stage uh cancer um there's four spots two on each side up and down um and um uh, The amount of, the sinking feeling I got of uh, my heart, my stomach, just my gut, um, just being, feel like you just get punched inside, and I thanked her for the work she did, and I went over to my mom, and with every mite, just holding my tears behind my eyes, I said, why don't we get ready, and I'll take you for coffee, and she said, what did the doctor say, and I said, "Um, let's just talk over coffee, and um, we went over to the Starbucks down the road. Um, well, that was our, our plan. I called my boss and my union rep and I told them I couldn't go in and I just because I was away from my mom, I just my tears are just rolling down and um, you just like every fear um, was coming true. Um, we went out for coffee. And it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining through early spring. And, um, I got her order and every distraction you can think of was happening, there was a child running around and father chasing him and people talking and it just went quiet. And I grabbed her hand sitting across from me and she said, what? And I said, the doctor said, um, and I just paused and she, and I said, she said, um, you most likely have terminal cancer in your lungs. And she just sat up, she squeezed my hand back and she said, okay, so what are we going to do next? And, you know, the next 23 months, um, I felt like a robot. It was just appointment after appointment. So we got in touch with uh, an oncologist. Um, we went to go see our physician. My mom had a trip planned to go to the Philippines. Um, and we sped up her trip and we called my stepdad, um, to come early and we were gonna take this trip early for them. And I was setting stuff up on the home front, such as appointments. Um, And why this was so important to do this trip, even though my mom was facing this, is why not? Um, And I was behind her on that. And, um, you know, it wasn't just to to make her happy. It was just so many things. And um, on that, just a little background, my mom was born in the Philippines on the 22nd of September, 19. 52, and um, she was the youngest girl of uh, of eight siblings, and um, she was known as the baby. And um, um, she came to Canada to care of her her older sister, uh, my aunt, who I'm very close to, and uh, she sponsored her. My mom came here and believe in 1974. I remember seeing these old photos, and she had $19 in her pocket and. Um, But my aunt wanted to give her this opportunity to come to Canada and and they lived in Winnipeg and then they came over to Vancouver. Mom met my birth dad uh, in the Philippines. They came over here, got married. Um, Two years later, I was their little bundle. Um, Unfortunately, my parents um, separated uh, shortly after I was born. Um, And um, my mom was a single parent for a long time. And my stepdad came into our lives uh, when I was five, um, and we moved in together when I was eight. Um, so I'm 41 now. So my my stepdad's been my dad um, was that rock for my mom uh, for probably almost 30 years. Um, so we've been blessed to have a wonderful family. Our family is uh, is not conventional, um, but love is not is was never question about love Um, we're like every family over disagreements so with this um this was new for us um my mom was even being the youngest um you know she it was a shock to find out she was this ill um you know all this time we just it was dismissed that she's just tired she's getting old it's just aches um so that's why it was such a shock Uh, my mom was always healthy she's this epitome of not just physical health but mental health um she wasn't just a great mom to me and i can say that because when my mom was flying solo with me i had her sister my aunt um my cousins uh, most of my first cousins um you know i'm 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 kind of known as the prince there it's mostly women as my cousins around here but um it didn't matter uh, there's just so much love and such positive role models in my life so I um, you know, without with the absence of my birth father, um a lot of people stepped up. But my mom never wavered. She was always hardworking. She was a care aide in the system, in the healthcare system for 30 years. Uh, without mat leave, she she took almost a year off to care for me on her own, you know, and eventually with the help of her sister. So my appreciation of what she did for me um it's it still resonates with me today so when she got diagnosed i took it upon myself it wasn't just my duty it was because i wanted to and i wanted to give back and i knew now time was to be limited or whatever it was to be we chose early on that the mission wasn't to just keep my mom alive. Being in healthcare, my mom had seen uh, many kinds of patients, including terminally ill, and she chose um, the path of quality versus the quantity of time. And no question, I accepted it.
2: Losing her father 20 years before to lung cancer as well, was an eerie
1: coincidence and a horrible echo. We couldn't figure out why. Every, Every time we told someone she had lung cancer, they'd ask, did she smoke? Didn't you know? And it felt like every gut punch, but it wasn't often. Every time we told someone, we decided to meet our family one by one. And that was the next hardest thing was to tell my stepdad that my mom was dormantly ill.
2: It was hard because we worked so hard to build our
1: family together. And to know the time was against us was a horrible feeling. And then to visit her sister and her nieces and deliver this news was, was really wrenching but it was part of that that mission to we wanted transparency that this was my mom's situation and she was this ill she went on her trip and um i got a call that um neither my mom or my my stepdad were doing well um so i decided to join them my dad came home and uh, made sure he was okay and um i went to the philippines last minute and joined her and we had uh we had an amazing trip <laughs> i won't forget that uh usually we go back to the philippines every eight to ten years and um this was um this was a very different trip because we knew this was would be the last one for her um but it was wonderful she saw her two other sisters uh, my aunt passed uh joins shortly after she's the one who um sponsored my mom and allowed us to have this wonderful life here in Canada. Um, we call her our pioneer, and um, she took care of my mom from 19 years on. So, kind of like a, a mom to her, because that's what Grandma said. Grandma said, "If you're taking my youngest to Canada abroad, um, you're you're responsible for her. Please take care of her." And um, and uh, we were always close. Anyway, so this trip was wonderful. Um, Seeing the family having a big smorgasbord, roast pig and vegetables and fruit and rice galore, having family with us, um, we went to a Little Surf Town and just had a bit of um, of a uh, pre, you know, pre. We called our pre chemo vacation. It was wonderful. Um, you know, the weather cooperated. Um, really, really felt blessed. But I remember um, having this moment where I. Um, my mom wasn't, she, she never learned how to swim. Um, I did, she, that's why she forced me into lessons as a kid. And I took her out, I said, come on, let's go into, into the water. And she said, "No, it's too deep. I said, no, I won't let anything happen to you. And, um, had her about up to our chest in water and I just held her hand. And I remember saying to her, um, are you ready? And she said, for what? And I said, everything that we need to do, are you ready? And she said, I think so. And I said, behind you, beside you, I'm with you. And it was so easy to say that uh, because that's what she did for me. Um, Unconditional love was always what she gave me. Um, The next 22 months was just from PET scans and x-rays and bone density scans, Um, eventually my mom Uh, took upon herself to join the uh, counselling sessions with uh, the cancer uh, clinic, um, which was all um, the British Columbia Cancer Foundation and Cancer Research Centre. Wonderful. It's funded by, you know, um, donations and wonderful people, but it was wonderful to know that from her counselling to radiation to chemo was all covered. Um, Very meticulous in their information, but Um, We didn't feel lost, Um, and my mom was so brave, every appointment, she was just head on, ready to go, uh, ready to tackle the next hurdle, and she was stabilized for a while, and the next year, so 2015, it got rough, um, leading up into that year, unfortunately, her sister was um, just south of us in Seattle, she was diagnosed with, um, with liver cancer, and she had passed away the following January. And so we made sure to go visit. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you all, I, you, you hear from a lot of people how much they care for their mom, they love their mom, they admire them. I really learned a lot about her and watching how brave she was to help guide her sister, her big sister, through the same disease. Now, even though it was in her liver versus my mom in her lung, to be that brave and be a caregiver for the time she was visiting um and i remember january 2nd um, 2015 i get a call from my cousin she's in tears i can hear it and i said what's wrong and she tells me mom passed away and again that sinking feeling and i looked at my mom and i said okay I'll, i'll i'll call you back and i looked at my mom and I just hugged her and she said, What's wrong? And I said, Um, Auntie just passed away this morning. And she, for the first time in a while, she cried. She didn't really cry that much that first year she was diagnosed as much, you know. And um it was gut punching because I I just believed that we were doing so well and keeping on my mom's moral up, but to know her sister had passed away. And it scared me because you know how fast it went and how fast the disease progressed and with my mom to hear that and affect her morally to lose her sister i i there's nothing i could say and i was just there for her and from the service and everything going forward and we came home and it just changed the tune changed and my mom's situation became more grim um, we had stopped the chemo mom did um uh, i believe uh, six rounds of chemo and she started radiation um travel was now had to be paused uh we had just come back from a cruise as well and we were doing everything you know whether it be going down to the farmers market on the weekend to go for lunches and i'm a bus driver she'd come on my bus and ride along and it was becoming less and less because she was less capable um, on that, I gotta say how supportive my mom is. Um, I started my bus driving when I was 27. Being a 27 year old and explain to passengers, this lady at the front wouldn't move because uh, and she'd tell them how she was my mom and oh that's my son there and you know he loves the city, he knows the city. Uh, it's embarrassing and and but it was so cute and I look back and I'm like I'm glad. What you know you don't often hear that of. A grown man having his mom come on, cheering him on at his new job. Um, you know, and she continued that she come to our barbecues, it was wonderful. And I'm glad a lot of my peers got to meet her. Um, so that didn't stop her um, socializing, and and we had good fun. And um, she decided she had told me in the summer that she wanted to have a birthday party. She was to turn 63. And she says, I think this will be my last. This will be my last one. She said, I want one more birthday um, and one more christmas i didn't know she had told her best friend at work that um, she wanted one more new year's too and we did we had a great party um so many people so much love so much um uh, support and it was just all happy time and from one of my good friends um you know, doing her makeup to my friends, providing the space for us and my family, preparing the food and hosting the guests. Um, best party I've been to. And um, and um, we knew leading up that time was really ticking faster. And I started to reflect on myself of not just what I could do for my mom, but what we wouldn't be able to do. and. You know, while she had been at my graduations and my school trips and and um i was a music guy and and coming to my concerts and and my you know sports games and all of that um i wanted to really be there for her but we knew there'd be some missing pieces later on and i i remember telling her um you know i, I wish we had more time and you could see me settle down and have children and uh she said that's okay and she i remember her saying to me she cried to me and she said i wish i had more kids and you'd have company and i said that's okay i don't have to share you with anyone it's just me and you just like you always used to say and um you know um you know through all that love that gave us a lot of energy the next couple months because it got rough towards the end and my mom needed um to have her lungs drained every every week eventually by the nurses and they're wonderful though you learn so many things when you're dealing with um cancer and, and and you know a parent a parent a loved one in a palliative state things like palliative care and hospice and and home nursing wonderful wonderful people um i knew my mom had worked the job of working as a caregiver but to for her to have these, this help and the service, it really helped along. And I was able to still work and, and support us financially. And uh, but knowing that we had someone to help out at home when she needed to was was wonderful. And of course, our family unwaveringly was always there for us. Um and then Christmas was coming. Um, and I just um I had messaged uh our national airlines earlier in the in in the summer and i knew uh one thing I, I learned is that um my mom wanted to be a flight attendant um you know since she was a little girl since she was a teen my my aunt told me that because um there's a lot of time you have when you're waiting for appointments and you know we're taking care of mom post chemo because chemo was rough they we knew we'd go in boom we're gonna get it done You know, we go out for a feast and the next day it was just energy goes down. But family would come over, my mom's sisters, and they'd tell me these stories. So I said, tell me about mom, tell me all these embarrassing stories. And that's how it came up. She would be a flight attendant. So I reached out to the airlines and they both responded. Uh, We couldn't do the trip on one, but the second one um, became a possibility. So in early December, um, uh, we were invited uh, to go to the training facility. Uh, the Vancouver International Airport and uh, we did and what we met up with was a group of wonderful people and remember they asked me what her full name was and I thought maybe it's for security and you know very 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 proper and we had um, we got in my mom was in the transport wheelchair and got in and right away they put the red scarf on her of the airline and the blazer because that's all i wanted was a a great photo of her being the flight attendant she wanted to be i remember the email i wrote them and i just said what my mom's situation was and i said um this is what we're facing we have everything we need my mom's always provided for us you know food shelter we have a home we have a wonderful family you know we have everything we need we have wonderful health care um, I don't know what to get her for Christmas, and all I want is my mom to have her dream of being a flight attendant, even just for a day, that's all I wanted, and they put us through this uh, excuse upon this crash course of uh, the training, and I got to go down the emergency slide in there, this big room, We got my mom got to sit in the jump seat and be fastened in, we have a photo of that too. Um, And it wasn't just the trainers, there was a director there, director of customer service. It was, I just was in shock at this fanfare. And I said to my mom, this is all for you. And she said, did you know this was happening? I said, not really, I just wanted a photo with you in an airplane and the jacket. And we got to this room at the end and they had this cake that said, congratulations. They had champagne and they had presents Amount of presents from a Christmas ornament with a plane in it, the world, a globe. And this, they knew I was, uh, we call them av geeks, uh, aviation geek, and I love airplanes and buses and trains. And they got me this huge 777 model. And they presented my mom with a certificate in her own week. It's such a happy moment. It's, I'm not really sad. I'm so happy. I was so happy that these people we've never met gave her, gave us such a wonderful gift. Um, she was an, honor, an honorary flight attendant and I just couldn't wait to post it and show our family and our friends because it's just been bad news after bad news. And my mom was slipping away. But to know that these people, these wonderful people had our backs They didn't just make our day. They made the day in her life. They made a core memory for me. It was so wonderful. Um, Went home, went for lunch, and my mom was in disbelief. Um, She had everything. She even had the little luggage and the purse and the, the scarf, and she was just over the moon. And I hadn't seen this energy in a long time. And anyone who knows Jean knows she is a ball, she was a ball of energy. Um, We went to hospice care upon my mom's choice on the night. I remember every date, the 9th of January, 2016. One of the selfless things my mom did was to choose to go into hospice care. She knew the care at home was taking a toll on me and I would never admit it there. Um, I, aside from two nights that I was given a break, I spent every night, I would still work. I'd work in the morning, I'd make sure she, she's fed and she's, the nurses had her washed up. And I'd go to work, I'd come back for lunch, I'd go home after work, change our laundry out, feed the cat, go home, I'd even bring the cat to visit, I'd organize visits of people, she wanted less and less people to visit her. And everything was fine until the 16th of February. The nurses had coerced me to go for a meal. Uh, Chipotle was new for us then. And these two wonderful nurses uh, took me out and they said, you hadn't eaten in a day. And I said, it's okay, I, I can spare it. And one of them told me, you need a break. And I decided to go home um the next day and, and grab some things and i remember calling my mom and saying hey we haven't seen the cat in a while you know want to bring her over and um and uh she said yeah she went because she wanted to see the house again and i remember the week before she had would take a nerve for uh, a manicure and a pedicure and the girls at the uh salon were shocked to see how much my mom had deteriorated she had dropped to just over 80 pounds and um that was probably our last solid meal together and I remember my mom looking out the window at the sun and she said she loved the warmth and uh and I just looked at her and I said um hey mom she goes yeah and I said I love you she said I love you too that wasn't the last day, but it it rings so clear in my head. I could hear her. So fast forward the next week. I went home. I gathered a couple you know fresh blankets and grabbed the cat. It just rained so hard that night, and uh, put stuff in the room. I went to the nursing station to grab we we had a routine every day. It was just very, very, very um organized um i mean they knew me <laughs> i was there so much that the nurses had an extra tray ready for me um i found that was my mom said that was one of the sacrifices is i would eat her tray of food and i would break in we call it contraband like the fried chicken and the the chipotle and the ihop just to treat her i'm like don't worry i'll eat the hospital food um, but it changed that night and the nurse, one of the nurses in the room called me from the desk and I went over and my mom was standing and she hadn't stood in five days and she said, I have to go, I have to go. And I said, where? She goes, you know, I thought maybe the bathroom, I have to go. And we calmed her down, put her in the bed. And, um, I remember, um, her just looking so, it was almost like she was looking through the nurse and through me she says i need to go i have to go and i didn't know what she meant and when um i realized that she was not calming down i decided to go to the nursing station and got her something to help calm her down and she took her medication some water and i said it was hard she was having a hard time swallowing at that point and i said it's okay. I need you to calm down. Okay. I need you to calm down. Okay. And let's count. And she said, one, one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, so fast. And I said, no, no, no. We got to do it slow. And so let's start backwards. Let's go 10, 10, nine, eight. We counted three rounds. And then she closed her eyes. She went to sleep.
2: If that was the last time I heard her voice, Counting out of all things,
1: she went comatose. The doctor saw us like we do every morning, but she told she, they had told me about the progression of we would be in palli- palliative care, and she told me that she had reached ten percent. I had prepared a list of things to say, as they instructed me to, but I couldn't read from it. I put on our favorite calm music. we had been listening to Adele and I just put a repeat. The cat on her lap and me beside her just fell asleep. And I remember about 8 in the morning, I I called my dad and told him what was happening. And You know, I told the rest of the family to start making their way. They said, probably not until the end of the day, but come down. And I just remember my mom telling me when her sister had passed the year before, she said, no one should die alone. And I'd beg the doctor, please tell me. Every day I'd be there. Um, So it was like, oh, we had our blankets there, you know, and I just held her hand and I said, okay, this is it. And I said, you fought long enough? And I think it's time to go, but I won't tell you to.
2: And I told her everything she needed to know.
1: It's everything I felt, but to actually say in words of how thankful I was, I was never hungry, I was never cold, I never felt unloved. No matter how hard a situation was, even early in my life, she was always there. I never had to question her dependability. But to thank her for this was bittersweet, but I knew I had to do it. And I held her hand and I said, and I remember at the end I said, can you hear me? And she squeezed back, but an hour later she didn't squeeze back anymore. My family was still on their way and three minutes after 10, her chest stopped moving. My cousin had arrived. And then the nurse followed, and I said, "Can you check her vitals?" At twenty, after she said she was gone. As a, as a little boy, you think you felt pain when you scrape your knee, when you fall off your bike, when you have your first breakup, when you get grounded on New Year's Eve by your parents on the millennium, when you don't. When you don't get the job you want. When you get a bad grade at school. You think it's the worst pain. Losing my mom.
2: Was so painful. And it it's still so painful. I never look back. Thinking of. Regrets.
1: That there's nothing we didn't do. Or places we went to experiences we had mom and i were like we weren't just i think what made it so painful is i realized she wasn't just my mother she was my friend it took a lot to admit that i remember like having a bad day at school she just or a breakup or you know someone had take me off at work she just listened she would just ask me how was your day And she would tell me, you need to ask me how my day is too. I thought that was the worst feeling, but to come home, my family helped me unload the car. And they wouldn't let me, it's something in our culture and just our family. But there's a death in the family, we usually stay in one place together. And this is putting his stuff away. To not hear anyone call from upstairs. the days after that when i returned home to not hear her call for me to not see her you don't think of these things To not see her name come up on your phone to get a text to get a messenger message
2: that silence was so jarring
1: i had promised her when we were at the hospice i had promised her that i was gonna be okay i had all the tangible things that I need, a home, a vehicle, a job, a great job. I have the things I need for my heart, my family, many friends, my mom's love. I knew that when she was gone, I'd still have her love. So I told her I'd be okay. And I remember promising her, I knew I I didn't wanna promise her, well, we're gonna have, gonna have a grandson or granddaughter no that it had to be something real you know something that was gonna be soon you know i wasn't gonna get my master's anytime soon and i wasn't gonna take over the bus company <laughs> uh wasn't gonna have a music contract so i thought about something i said you remember in grade six and this is about two weeks before she had passed i said remember grade six and i, I love i found out i love social studies she goes yeah yeah you love you love geography you love travel I said I do I do I said remember that country uh, I studied Peru she goes yeah I think I'm going to go there I'm going to hike the Inca trail and I'm going to go to the ancient city and every time we have these moments it's always the sunshine this the and she looked out she looked at me and she said go you need to go so a year and a bit later, after she passed, um, did the forty-six kilometer hike with my best friend, and we hiked uh, the Inca Trail. who made it to Machu Picchu. I have this tattoo on my on my arm, and done in Hawaii it has a gumamela and has her name. And the coordinates where we put her ashes in the water and we chose that place because she just loved the sun, anything warm. And Hawaii is almost the middle of the Philippines, between here in the Philippines. So it makes sense. We have family there. But I remember being a Machu Picchu and everyone's taking their photos and posting. And I just remember there was so much fog and it just parted. And I showed, I pointed my forearm out at the city. And I said, I wish you were here, but you can see I'm here. I told you I'd come here. And I think why it meant a lot. It was a tough journey to do physically. But to mentally, it was the last thing I promised my mom I'd do. Other than your, I'll take care of myself, I'll eat, I'll you know, drink water, I'll take my vitamins, I'll take care of myself. But to know I did something that I promised her I'd do, because she, remember her telling me she just has to know that I'll be okay. She's a very practical person, very practical woman who who just, you know, she she just knew what to say. And she And I knew it was important to let her know I was gonna do this adventure and uh i'm glad i did um and uh you know every year obviously not during the pandemic i try to visit the island of uh, oahu and, and see her there in the waters, and it gets me every time um i just feel her warmth it's it's almost eerie how how close i feel when i'm there i know she's around me I have told my family and friends in her eulogy that if you miss Gene, just call me, text me, message me, video call me. I'm half of her DNA. So I'm her. And my stepfather can attest to my energy. And even when I nag him about taking his medication and making sure he's sleeping and taking good care, you know, he says, well, days ever complete without Bert lecturing me. And I said, well, My mom told me to take care of you, and this is what I'm doing. On that, I found out, learning a lot about my stepfather, because it's just me and him now. Um, You know, in our home, he's now in Karen, and uh, uh, found out that she had spoken to him before she passed and said, make sure he's okay and take care of him. And I found out she had spoken to my aunt and said the same thing. So first, I'm like, does she not think I was gonna be okay? But I, you know, I can't just think of it that way. She, it was more the emotional care, and that just shows how her a mother's love, my mom's love for me, was never gonna end with her last breath. I'm so thankful for that. The last seven years have not been easy at all. And I had thought there was a timeline of when the grief would go away, and I was just kidding myself. I really connected to my friends who had lost a, a parent, especially them. And even though we come from different walks of life and very different people, we seem to connect when we speak about our parents that we've lost. And I am uh, very thankful for them. But I remember one one friend telling me, "You can't." Grief doesn't just go in a year or five years. It's like asking for their memories to be erased. And she said, Your mom's memories is not worth five years. It's worth it. It's worth It's There's no price. And she was absolutely right. And I try my hardest, some days more than others, to really live my own life. And um most days, it's it's fine it's 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 uh it's doable some days and today being the day after mother's day may has always been tough for me and my mom's death anniversary is february i'd say my birthday and her birthday are tough because we always took apart ourselves to make each other feel special whether i just miss things like you know i have a stack of cards i keep and my mom would i didn't know she kept mother's day cards for me and birthday cards but i i have my own box of cards for my mom and uh but i just remember like on my birthday even if we couldn't go out she'd leave a card beside my breakfast bowl and just say happy birthday so those little things mean a lot Um, but uh it's it's horrible to lose my mom but I have to say that I'm really, I'm so proud to have been her son for 33 years. And I am not shy to say how much love I felt from her. Um, it, it, it's something that just comes so organically now, um, you know, but I know she felt it too. Even though I didn't have as much words back then. And uh, I still feel her and I feel her warmth and I'm I'm so grateful.
0: That love that you shared with your mom that you do still share with your mom is, is very, very obvious. Um, and that that type of relationship comes with a lot of connection and a lot of uh, a lot of emotion. So I don't I don't think you could make it through this even it's been seven years, even in 10 more years, I think still telling the story of your mom would be very emotional. Um, I love, love, love the flight attendant thing that just, ugh. so, you know, the day before I usually share a picture um, the day before the podcast airs. So maybe we can share the picture of your mom yeah. in her uniform and say, come back tomorrow to hear why this picture is so important. Yeah. Um, I'll, send yeah. the,
1: um, I'll send you the I'll send you the the actual photos
0: yeah that that'd, be, that'd be great because uh I just think that that's so awesome and and like you said um we just had a, a sermon on Sunday about going the extra mile and so that's what I wrote down when you were talking about that these people gave her such a wonderful gift that they went the extra mile you know yeah. they didn't they didn't just give her a pin and a scarf they gave her the blazer they had the cake they had the champagne and then the certificate, like wow, yeah, yeah. that's just so awesome, yeah. so awesome that that worked out, and that you that you you know that you thought about doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, like I said, it was started as a, such a simple idea. You know, we could have been told no, but to have these people just reach out and it was, I was amazing, and it was just their time just to do that. Hmm. It was, um, it was, it was quite the gift. Mm -hmm. I think one of the fears I had other than losing my mom was, I don't know why I thought of this. I don't know. It was from a book and I thought I was afraid I wouldn't be able to care or love anyone after
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like, I felt like the world would just look so bleak after I lose my mom that I wish wouldn't care. I'd be this apathetic person. And I feared feared so much about that I feared about the person who I'd become I just felt like a robot in those months just going an appointment and people are telling me you need to sleep you need to do this you need to do that and there's no like this is what I need to do. I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and even when my mom was like in hospice and I would to have a cry or I was angry I'd go to the conference room or I'd leave the building and I'd, I'd just let it out I'd call someone you know, um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean, it was quite, quite the two years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when you were talking about that, the nur- hosp, the nurses at the hospice center knew you, um, I don't know if you felt this way, but my sister, I spent a lot of time with my sister and she was in ICU for three weeks and it almost felt like, home it felt like familiar and comfortable and um like two years later I went back with a friend for a visit and I walked into the same pavilion where we always walked out I knew where to park I knew where to do and I walked in I was like <gasps> like it just yeah. felt comforting
1: yeah in this bizarre I, way I used to be terrified of like paranormal you know ghosts and all that and after the third night I realized that. This is a this is the most morbid waiting room ever. Everyone's just waiting to die. And we're there to just be with them till they stop breathing. Except with the one lady across from the hall, she just would not pass away. And my mom actually see, this is my mom. This is how she is. She'd <laughs> say she's eating alone again. She'd see the door open and she goes, My mom would stop eating and she'd go go eat with her, please. Aww. That's Jean. That's <laughs> I miss her kindness so much, her patience. But she loved her job. She she worked with, uh, yeah, she did work with herself with palliative care. So it's almost like I, my mom, my mom's love and her knowledge of palliative care and health care was almost like a cheat sheet for me. Like her choosing to go there, knowing the expectations, even if they made her bed wrong, the one corner she'd ask me to do it again and show me. She'd have to tell me. And I, it was kind of bad. I'm like, Mom, don't, no, you shouldn't tell them what to do. But that was her personality. But just, but look at that. She would tell me, she'd see someone needs, you know, some, you know, a little help and, and just showing how consider giving her trays to me because she wanted me to eat. I remember her saying, um, Seeing you eat gives me strength, you know. And I didn't know the symbolicness of that. I remember, one thing I forgot to add is that she, I eventually had to put her boots and her shoes on and she'd say, oh, I can hear it. Um, I'll say it in how our language, she goes, "Uh, which means, oh, my poor son. That she felt bad for me that I had to do these things for her. But it was a pleasure to do them for her. You know, we'd have facial nights once a week and I'd learn how to wash her face. I'd watch YouTube tutorials and learn how to even help bathing. She would never allow me because she says, you're a man. And I said, I'm your son first. So I'm like, all right, I got from neck up. You got the rest. (laughs) And uh, so I learned mom got her wish and I got to be a caregiver for two years. Um. Yeah, so it wasn't all as much as my tears flow, and I feel sad missing her. The journey is just there's so many things. It was a pleasure to be there for her. I wouldn't change it, at all,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And I have that gift because I've have friends and family who lost their parent in an instant. They didn't have that, and I had a friend unfortunately tell me that. And said, you know, you're complaining about having your mom for two years ill. And I lost my dad in six months. And I felt awful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But everyone's story is different. And that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that your mom, like you said, that she chose to go into hospice. That she decided, um, she chose the path of quality versus quantity. Um she was, like you're saying, probably from her background of being in the industry and everything was was really intentional about choosing her care path and, and how she was going to deal with terminal cancer. Um, because I mean, my sister had cancer for 10 years, but my niece and I both said, like, we never really thought she was going to die. No. The fact that you and your mom, like that you said when you were in the water and you were holding your hand and you were like, are, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Um, like, what a what a bittersweet gift, you know, that she had the mental capacity to be able to know what that meant and make choices according to how she wanted to finish her life, Um but then also, like that, you said you said all the things you wanted to say, and um, yeah,
1: it's, I it's could, you know it's funny. That's very. I look back. My mom was beautiful. Such such a cute little lady, five one. My friends just adored her. They thought she was just this fun lady. She'd always crash our potlucks. <laughs> I could never picture, I could, to this day, I could never picture her as an old woman. And not that it'd be a bad thing, but I could never envision her wrinkly and gray. So it's almost like we joke, me my dad, like when we talk about our memories of her, I was like, I think she, <laughs> she went when she was ready. She, she was in her, we call it kind of her prime and always just full life and looked so great and even I remember when, when the Undertaker came and I was there to help wrap her up. My family was outside, and and he said, Her hair is so beautiful. I said, She's so beautiful, she is. But in that, like I said earlier, like you know, being in a hospice, like you think it's so scary, so morbid. Those people are they're angels, like the, the energy, the care, what they do, they give you. Dignity to exit this world. I vi- you're right. I visited them for two, three years after.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would just be like, like they, they'd remember me, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And I go eat the luncheon with them like before. And it didn't feel scary. It was, it was a different point of view. So it was uh, but like I said, I feel very blessed to have those kind of people that have taken care of us. It wasn't just me, I, I had I didn't realize. That I was being watched as well you know they it was no secret it was no surprise it was no accident that those extra trays of food or um you know that they they come check on me and and like they knew my schedule um my mom refused to let anyone give her a blood thinner, so it was this giant needle called delta parent and I remember I was late one night and she called, told the nurse to call me, you need to come do your mom's meds because she won't let us touch her with that needle. You know, it's just, uh, you know, they, they, they were very intuitive and it made, it made it easier. So it, it made that last part of the journey, even though it was shorter, it, it uh, they made it, I don't even know what's where to go. Like they made it, they made it possible. You know, because there was an option to do it at home. I knew I was not capable of doing that. But yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to use the word dignity. I would agree with that as well. Our hospice experience was it was actually here in my home. Um, but that's a that's a great word to describe it. I always before my sister's journey had a really negative connotation to the word hospice. It's just kind of icky, but now I have such great respect for yeah. what those people do. Mm. It was mm-hmm. hard
1: saying when mom was given the choice, I remember she kind of changed her mind of, I want to go home. And I selfishly said, no, I just didn't know if I could face coming home after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the end of the day we made a family decision to be where we were. And it was, it was, um, for the, what it was, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and um you know, like I said, wouldn't change anything. Yeah.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, Bert, I think you know. I usually finish the podcast as if there's a certain something else you'd like to leave the listeners with before we say goodbye.
1: Um, and if you
0: and if you don't, that's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about it earlier about, um, of course, I only have that one vantage point. But being a male and and growing up and In our society, I didn't didn't feel that it was okay to cry and to feel frustrated and angry. Very strong, outbound emotions. And this journey has taught me it's so important to allow those emotions to surface. Because if you don't, they will manifest themselves in unexpected ways. And I just couldn't deal with that push from within and I was I've I've been lucky to have access to resources like um, counseling and employee family assistance programs but the best ones is my family and my friends Um, you know especially if we've shared that together but I never felt like it was not allowed to feel the way it did but because of that internal struggle of no no you can't cry you can't like I said, even when my mom was sick and I, I wouldn't let myself cry around her. Maybe that's something I changed, but I don't believe in regrets. But if I could pass on to other people is there's no timeline for grief. Um, you need to just feel what you feel when you feel. And it's okay There's uh, to be patient with yourself and um, love yourself. And allow, for someone like me, what I, a bad habit is I'm I'm a very proud person. I'd like to do things on my own and be independent. But to allow people in, because there's more people that care about you, that care about me, than I want to admit or I care to be transparent about. It. And they're ready to be there for you. And when you need them, let them in. And that's something I'm still continuing to learn
2: well
0: i think that that's great advice um and it is true i think that we the independence can become a a a little bit of a boundary of not letting people in but connection is one of the things that that keeps us alive yeah yeah well like i say bert i'm sorry that you're a part of the club but i appreciate you being here today and sharing your story with us
1: Thank you, Beth, it was was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having this platform to allow people like myself to share.
0: If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email. To daughters without moms at gmail.com.